I love this music. It's very happy music. Well, it's Cinco de Mayo next week. It's the happy time of year. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, 54th edition of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross, along with Walter Pysik and Richard S. Greenfield. Good morning, fellas. How are you? I see you're happy today, Walt, because your team fucked my team last night, trading up a Philly-Dallas trade, getting ahead of the Giants to take Devonta, um, so this is after Philly screwed the Giants um, by the, final game of the season last the year final, in the yes. tank, in the tank yeah. game. Yes, in the tank game. Then they come up and somehow pull a trade with Dallas, an yep. interdivision trade, and and snag Devonta. It actually did told- work out really well for the Giants for once because they got an insane trade done with ridiculous draft capital, but. Yeah, yeah. Great. It's so that means it's, so, so we're now a 2023 team. Like when, when, <laughs> when does this help us? Seriously. Well, when, when is this going to help us? We're just sacrificing like the, another year. It seems like the receiver that the giants did draft is flexible, fast, elusive, kind of a weapon that they don't have. And they got Galladay to be a downfield guy, but in free agency, but yeah, I mean, I don't think any Giants fans were, were feeling sweet about that at the time. Now, Brandon, we were talking about the draft um, the other day, and we had seen some news that the NFL had signed a deal with Clubhouse yeah. to start like a room to talk yeah, about there the were, draft. Yep, there, there and, was an ex- it, at least an experiment. Um, I actually <laughs> I went on Clubhouse. I didn't think about it until pr- a little later after 10, but did I you did get go a, on Did you get a push notification? I you get didn't a push get, I did not get a push notification, but I went on and I did check it out. The weird thing is there were <laughs> there were only like 118 people in the room, which is a little surprising considering it's the NFL. Uh, it's the NFL. Day. It's the most popular sport uh, in the country, and that that was kind of surprising. It's possible that earlier they had a much bigger audience, so I don't know. <laughs> but 118 is not sweet. Good time. I actually did stay up very, very late last night. I had a little insomnia and I listened to good time show and they had like 1,600. So there's still a pretty big audience. It just, anyway, I don't want to talk about or belabor clubhouse again, because we talk about it far too much for what it is <laughs> on, on, on to our podcast. So let's get away. Let's get into, let's get into other things. For Walt. No, no, no. I want to, I want to know if Walt is able to identify what movie the music came from today. Um, Rich and I went through this. He actually got it. No idea. And the dance. No idea. It it was that Pee Wee Herman movie. Uh, Pee Wee Herman? Do you you remember when he's in that biker bar and does that dance? Let's move on because we got a lot of things about collapsing ratings today. It's not just Clubhouse that's collapsing. Dude, it was an earning. It it was an earnings week this week. Also, we didn't even talk about that. So we'll get to that. All right. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We got lots of good stuff. All right. You want to you want to start off with the Oscar? Oh, my goodness. You put my mother in here again. 
Yes, yes because because oh, after I there's a tweet from Brandon's right. mother, who's very famous on Twitter now. <laughs> Um, her comments, but she's commenting on a morning brew tweet um, that's talking about Oscars viewerships through the years. And as you might guess, 2021 was a disaster at 9.8 million down from 23.6 last year and 43.7 um, the year before. Um, oh, 40, 43.7. This is the chart, if you're listening and not watching, is the steady decline in Oscar viewership from 2014 at 43.7 million. And it was kind of losing like three-ish million a year or so. And three to six. And then this year, obviously gapped down. COVID's clearly a part of it, but the Oscars are stale. No one really gives a shit about them anymore. COVID or no COVID, it seems like. And I don't know. And then there's my mom who says it's the worst show ever with, uh, was she, was she she trolling rich here? Cause this was a tweet at rich saying the worst show ever, as opposed to the probably because Rich, as we all know, can't spell. I have pronunciation more than spelling issues, but it's okay. Dude, you're kidding. Both. You're kidding uh, about spelling. It's spelling and grammar issues. Should we get I, Mark on here no, so we fine. could talk about what it's like to edit a Rich Greenfield piece? So <laughs> we do have big news, though. We have big news this week, uh, which is Brandon's coming to New York City for the entire week. I am now, coming. This is, this is going to be my first full week in NYC in a while. Um, and it's because I don't know, I've been coming every weekend recently and it's really fucking fun. Nice. New York's back. New and, Zealand looks like more fun than New York though. Yeah. I mean, New Zealand. why don't you, like, why don't you describe what, what do we got up on the screen? But, we got two tweets dude, up here. Okay. There's a couple of things here. First, um, there's a tweet that says NYC mayor announces that New York city plans to fully reopen by July 1st, that means 100% capacity everywhere from restaurants and bars to gyms to athletic stadiums. So everything is going to be 100% capacity, which we're psyched about. Of course, um, this was from de Blasio and Cuomo immediately came out after and was like, oh, yeah, it, it should be happening way sooner than that. He's right. I think I, I agree with him. Um, Give it like if, if you're vaccinated, like, come on. But I I do think that if he said it should happen immediately, Cuomo would have said it should happen in October. Maybe but it should happen <laughs> immediately is the bottom line. But what's interesting about this second tweet, um, which shows all these people in New Zealand as if like this is not happening here. Wasn't there a, um, like a big fight between like some influencer or someone that there was it was a packed audience there as well tom brady was in the audience not wearing a mask so it's not like new zealand is the only place where people are packing together maybe not at that scale but like they don't have COVID though was there like a yeah i mean but wasn't there like i think it was the 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 luke um it was a fight right sometimes it was oh mark kelly i'm sure was watching wasn't it the triller fight wasn't it the triller fight i don't know what it was but it was it wasn't people packed into that stadium ufc or ufc in jacksonville wasn't it Okay, so I mean, it's not like it's just Australia or wherever the that was. Mark is very yeah. He said, "Yep, UFC two sixty one." And people booed um, Chris Paul or Jake Paul or one of those Pauls. Yeah. Jake Jake Paul's fighting. Uh, Chris Paul's the point guard. <laughs> uh, Jake Paul's fighting Mayweather, I think. Yeah, that's and, not going to end well. Oh, by the way, here's another thing. I know we're like getting off topic, but did you see how 
Triller is pissed off about all the piracy of of uh, their fight streams, and they're like trying to like sue individuals. I'm like, uh, I think we've been down this road before in the music industry. It's Hashtag. called whack-a-mole. It's called whack-a-mole. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, good luck, Triller. We should pause for a second, though, because we're talking about UFC. We brought up UFC. UFC is now a public company. So oh, the other big Jake's news is brother the, Logan that's fighting Mayweather. Okay, whatever. 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 Who cares? UFC. But Endeavor's going. Endeavor went public. Actually, today trading up ten percent on a. You know, I think one of the benefits is a very limited float. Uh, but you know, Ari Emanuel. Uh, many people think of Ari Gold, but Ari Emanuel, public company Endeavor. Uh, it, a long time coming. They tried this two years ago, and they actually got it done. And so now we have the first ever publicly traded talent agency combined yep. with a whole ownership or shortly to be full ownership of UFC. So Brendan, you've got another live entertainment company to cover. Lucky me. In, another co- another company with, <laughs> with no metrics attached to it. Like literally no KPIs. I mean, luckily we actually, we've built this model out in the past and the UFC stuff, you can do a pretty decent job on because it's mostly, I mean, think about this business, compare that side of the business to WWE um, where it's contracted TV rights. Now you, uh, WWE has the same thing, contracted pay-per-views and a lot and a, a live business. Theoretically, you would think they should trade at similar multiples given you know, the similarity in predictability levered to the same exact trends, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like uh, Endeavor is trading at, you know, a much higher multiple. So It'll be we, fun to dig we'll into dig this. into that and reconcile it at, at some point for all our, you know, subscribers and fans to uh, to enjoy. Uh, let's talk uh, big news out of the EU. This was this morning. I woke up and one of the first things I saw when I woke up was Spotify founder Daniel Eck tweeting, today's a big day. Fairness is key to competition with the EU commission statement of objections. We're one step closer to creating a level playing field, which is so important for the entire ecosystem of European developers. Putting this in context, this is the battle between Spotify and Apple over um, what they see as an antitrust um, sort of unfair playing field. And so the tweet that Daniel is sort of quote tweeting is um, our preliminary conclusion, Apple is in breach of EU competition law. Apple Music competes with other music streaming services, but Apple charges high commission fees on rivals in the App Store and forbids them to inform of alternative subscription options. Consumers are losing out. Um, So obviously this is, you know, um, I would assume this is, you know, going to be perceived as negative for Apple. I don't know if this is game changer, obviously, but certainly anything that gives Spotify the ability to bring down that 30% fee uh, that they pay for their access for their app versus Apple, which doesn't pay a fee, I presume is going to be viewed positively for Spotify. Yeah, of course. I don't think this is just obviously about Spotify. This is about all of the apps that you know, do do most of their user acquisition in the app store. Um, no, but this or, is different because this is no, but this is different because this is this is saying that there is a direct competitor to Spotify that Apple right. owns. So this is right. This is a vertical integration point. True. Uh, against true. Competitors. true. True. No, this you're, is not. No, you're, Apple's you're, not in Epic's business. This is a no, different. No, you're right. That's what I'm getting at. There, there, there is some interesting corollary to what's happening in the Epic trial, though. 
because it came out this week that that Fortnite will not put itself on Microsoft X Cloud because even though they're the most consumer friendly company, um, because they think X Cloud is competitive to their PC ambitions. So, you know, I think I think everybody does what's convenient for their narrative and and strategy. The the funny thing about all of this, which you know, I, I is Spotify's crushing Apple. So despite with this supposedly unfair playing field, <laughs> yep. Spotify is the dominant streaming music company. So it clearly isn't hurting Spotify. I guess that's that's where I struggle in this battle is that Spotify's crushing it. Apple Music is sort of like I think of Apple Music as sort of for old people. Like who who uses Apple Music? Um, I think they have like what thirty they have a or forty percent share. Yeah. So a lot of people, and I'm sure that the demo is certainly not just old people. So I don't. I think that's going a little overboard. Um, it's not like they're yeah, a, a tiny. It's not like they're a tiny player in the in the audio market. It's their share is pretty sizable still. A lot of people do, and it obviously depends country by country. And that probably maps similarly to the iOS versus Android share. I I just look at Apple services revenue accelerated for the third consecutive quarter. It was the highest growth rate they've put up since 2015. The the number of paid subscriptions accelerated. They used to be adding 35 million per quarter. They added 40 million in, in this quarter. And, you know, I've talked about how I'm using fitness, which is not necessarily the best app and wrapping people into that. I can't remember the name of it, but they're wrap subscriptions of which music is a primary component. Apple one of which music is a primary component of it. So I think before we throw Apple on the trash heap, we we have to recognize that it's a company that is about to embark on a a path to a three trillion dollar market cap. It grew its, its revenue ins- at 55%. Their install base is a fucking ridiculous <laughs> amount, but we're saying like only old people use Apple Music? Come on now. No. All right. We, we no, beat on. Hold on. No, no, no. First no. of all, let's get to theme. Like, this is a good chance because I don't think we're supposed to talk about earnings this week, but this Apple example, like those stats you just threw out about Apple also reminds me, I think the theme this week was the big keep getting bigger. Look at yep. Apple's print. Look at Amazon's print. Look at Facebook's print. Look at Google's print, which I think actually was last week. All the all the big sort of tech platforms pretty much crushed. And then, you know, on no, the other not end just of crushed, this- re-accelerated. I mean, accelerated, yeah. right? Like yes. that's the key. Despite massively larger revenues than the smaller companies, the acceleration, I mean- YouTube put up its best quarter in three years. Yeah, I mean, obviously there was some easiness of comp because of what happened, you know, for part of last March. But like on the other hand, compare Twitter, which has an analyst day, gets everyone hyped up, then comes out and disappoints in monetization. I'm starting to feel like they're like the Mets of digital media is like you get all psyched up for and then it's always like a little air out of the balloon. The reality is, is if if Facebook and and Google hadn't crushed expectations, Twitter stock would not have gone down. It's just the fact. I mean, they hit the high end of the range. Spotify hit the high end of the range. If hitting the high end of the range was not enough this quarter, when you had not, other not even well, destroying the top end, we knew where the buy side kind of was on Twitter anyway, right? They were thirty five percent growth this quarter, sixty five percent on the guide, and they came in, you know. 
29 and 58 at the high. Bottom line, when, you're, when your stock when your stock runs and you don't start, you don't beat expectations, your stock goes down. I think it's pretty simple. I don't think we need to belabor this point. I think I just want to go back to Walt's point on on the lawsuit or the the EU antitrust because I think the issue to me is Spotify is making a huge deal out of this, despite the fact that they're winning the on the subscription music side. They are winning. Um, Apple's significant. I'm not going to deny that, but it's just interesting that they're so focused on this lawsuit or this sure, battle. I think they realize that the ultimate power that exists when you have a billion five of installed base and the ability to wrap incremental services where it's perceived as, as nothing to the customer. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like you can't just ignore Apple. Obviously, you're going to want to keep back. Can we just go back to the Brandon's Mets um, thing? So go back to Twitter again. Is yeah. um, is is Mets. Degrom then the Trump in that analogy? And what happens <laughs> if Degrom got injured? <laughs> Can they ever come back? <laughs> Dude, I, as a Mets fan, and we're we're aligned on two teams, Mets and Sixers, and both of them very similar attributes. Um, the fact that they can't score a run for DeGrom, and this is a several-year situation, this guy's actually a legit, probably, Hall of Fame pitcher, given his dominance over a several-year period Amazing. now. And they what can't get him lock a win. Like? How does DeGrom go back in the lock? How do any of those players look that poor guy in the face and, and with, with the lack of runs that they put up for him? It's a disgrace. I don't know. I think he has an opt-out on his contract at the end of the season, I think. I don't really fully remember. But I'd start to get a little worried about that. If this guy, uh, oh, it's the year after Mark just said, you know, if they can't score runs for him. But it's early, and 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 we'll see. We'll see how patient Stevie Cohen is. Speaking of Apple, um, sticking with the Apple topic, I went to turn on Hulu the other night, and this is what popped up on the screen. Uh, for all of our um, listeners, I'll just read. Hulu would like permission to track your access uh, or track you across apps and websites owned by other companies. We will use this data to provide personalized product services and advertising experiences in accordance with our privacy policy, ask app not to track or allow tracking. So this is sort of the IDFA app track transparency that um, Apple's rolling out as part of 14.5, the update that everyone's been so worried about. What's so interesting is it's actually starting to, you're starting to finally see it and not just see it on iOS or on mobile devices, but seeing it on Apple TV as well. But on the flip side, what's been interesting this whole week is executive after executive, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, we heard it from Evan Spiegel last week, we heard from Jack Dorsey this week, everyone's sort of just downplaying it is like, yeah, it's, you know, we've built tools around it, we'll, we'll figure it out, it'll be okay. A little bit of pressure, but not really a big deal. So they made this huge stink about this over the last, you know, nine months and now they're so sort what of saying, the, what do you think the truth is? is? Is this like a net neutrality where these people go freak this out? Isn't, actually- this isn't net, this isn't net neutrality. This actually impacts uh, the quality of advertising. Yeah, that's what I would think. Significantly, which is why personally I just opt in because I like when I get Instagram ads, that's like, a sixer shirt with a dead bear on it. <laughs> but, it but a typical a typical opt-in, just a generic opt-in for anything, I think is like 30%, maybe 15%. I mean, I think that's yeah. just typical. Most people are just like, eh, you know, in terms of uh, opt-in. But who is saying that? So, so Brandon, is your argument that they're full of shit, that in fact, this I didn't is much that, bigger than- I didn't, that, that I didn't much, say, that, oh, that yeah. it's more impactful. That, it, it, correct. It definitely changes- 
the ability to do all yeah. certain types of advertising and to have more targeted advertising, which is the advantage of digital over. So um, why do you think they're downplaying it, Rich? Over linear. I mean, I if you two, have a lot things. of first party data, then it's it's a whole other thing. I, I think they've built enough workarounds to get, you know, not all the way there, but pretty close. Okay. Two, I think the reason they were most pissed off before is less about this, more about it took a lot of engineering, a lot of energy, a lot of client education, the amount of time and energy that and Apple has forced time, them energy to invest. and money. For, yep. I think that's why they're upset. I think that's why Facebook most more than anything else, like this is not the topic they wanted to devote energy to. And they had to put a lot of effort into education and engineering on this to make this work and to get around to solve for this. Yep. And look, it will hurt revenues. Like there is definitely a revenue loss. Is it catastrophic? No, but it definitely is not a positive. But I, I just think it's funny how they've all downplayed it after playing it up and getting everyone sort of feared about it. Well, again, it goes back to serving everybody's like purpose and narrative, right? At the time, they were trying to get the government to step in and make a case against Apple. And now they're like, oh, investors, don't worry. Oh, but that's why I good. brought up net neutrality, because if you remember, uh, when Etsy, Etsy was going public in their risk section, yes, they said, oh, if yeah. net neutrality was taken away, this was going to blow up our business model because people, I mean. Can we, can we pull that out one of the days? Can net, we, we net, should, neutra net neutrality in this, this is way more impactful than, yeah. than net neutrality. This actually matters. People were sleeping outside of Tom Wheeler's house, I believe, because of that. So and they blocked his little Mini Cooper. From I'm not sure anyone's been sleeping outside because of IDFA, Brandon. But you know, yes, okay, I hear you. okay. But there's a difference. Who were the people who were sleeping outside? The people that were triggered by the nonsense that was getting pushed by some some sides of the media. Yeah, the and this media. is a, right. It, it, like there was a narrative about right. freedom of the consumer internet. Consumer now, a where, consumer yeah, narrative. Yeah, a consumer narrative right. where this is, the other is side a of the, B2B this is the, issue. Well, it's the other side of the consumer and narrative. It, it, the true right. consumer the narrative, narrative is in the support of Apple. You got right. it. The, the well, people that, are, that would be blocking um, uh, Chairman Wheeler, former Chairman Wheeler, would be in fact the ones that are supporting Apple in this in this role. The, yeah, the part that sucks about comparison. this. The, the part that sucks about this is like everybody hates ads that are bad, and the yeah. end result is all That's this is going to do is make ads worse. Look, nobody wants ads that are like TV. Everyone wants TVs that ads that are more relevant. So, like the whole thing, I get the privacy. I love element. the Instagram ads. I get. I, I, know. I, I know. interact with them more than the crappy pictures that my friends are posting. So we got this week is big. We should have had this sort of a battle as our theme music or something. We should have done that because I feel like everything we're talking about is sort of battles between companies and big companies. We've got the deadline story from yesterday, uh, actually from early this morning because it actually happened early this morning. Uh, it was talked about yesterday. Roku removes YouTube TV from platform in distribution fight, telling big tech rival to stop anti-competitive practices. So if you have, like I have Roku and I have my YouTube TV, it's still going to work. I can still use it. If I delete the app, I cannot reinstall it. It is gone from the Roku app store as of this morning. What about uh, updating? Uh, that's actually a really good question. I don't know about updating. I suspect if it's gone from the app store, it probably won't, but I don't know. I mean, there have been headlines that have been coming out as we started the podcast of, of um, Google saying they never asked for this. You know, this is a crazy thing by Roku. But I mean, this is normal, I would assume, banter back and forth, right? That always occurs. Look, I never said look, that. Look, Roku not having YouTube TV with their 3 million subscribers. And let's just say, let's say at best, one third of them are on Roku. 
even 40%, let's just say, I don't think that's yeah, true. It's, but let's it's, just say that's true. This is wholly irrelevant. What it's, is it's relevant. clearly not a backbreaker, <laughs> no, but, 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 but it's what about YouTube and like what, what happens with YouTube? And I mean, if, oh my God, the, if um, Google was like, Hey, we're not going to let you carry YouTube anymore. Then Roku's fucked straight up. It's, fucked. It's over. Like, right. I don't so think there's, this gets back to who has the leverage, right? Uh, look, I, I, I would, I don't know how that contract is worded. Yep. We already know that YouTube does not share ad revenue from YouTube with Roku. They're one of the few apps that doesn't because they've had so much power to say, hey, if you don't want to have YouTube, don't have YouTube. But like if you want YouTube, like this is the deal. You're not we're not giving you a cut of ad revenue. So who I, has the I, leverage? That's what it, it comes down to. Look, and, we've and been it's through, like one of these bundling things, you know, you know, like on uh, affiliate or retrans deals, it's it's like. If, if you had CBS and I don't know, uh, CBS Sports Network, whatever it was back in the day, and they were not coterminous deals and this sports network came up, okay, they're never carrying it until right. the CBS deal comes up. The problem is, is if they flex that leverage, as you suggest, then that's obviously going to raise the eyebrows of politicians, regulators, yada, yada, but. Do you think Roku wants that to happen? Challenge. Maybe that's maybe that's the goal here, right? Maybe that's the goal because you're right. Like they should basically just roll over and for and do what Google tells them to do. Um, but maybe that's the issue. Well, the, the interesting subtext here. Maybe they were told. We, I'm sorry, but sorry to interrupt, Rich. But you know, sometimes regulators do and and politicians do go out to companies and say like, "Hey, it's probably not a bad thing for you to." kind of give us an excuse at this moment because we're ready to do stuff. I mean, who knows? The danger, though, is Roku really is a gatekeeper, as you've seen with HBO Max and Peacock. And you, you wonder if you start getting into a regulatory or from, legal um, battle. From a market share perspective, and this is all, and Walt's the expert on this, I think, how do you define the market and market share? From a connected TV market share perspective, you know, there's plenty of choices. Roku isn't, you know, an all out gatekeeper when it comes to, you know, UGC video, YouTube is. I. Well, what's their share? Roku. What's Roku's share? Roku's got 40% market share. Okay. So <laughs> imagine Verizon like doing stuff in the wireless market. Right. Imagine Verizon saying you can't access Netflix anymore. Right. Big enough. We're going to start our own service and you can't have Netflix. You, you could, Brandy, you could argue there's 15 different alternatives, but it's really more of a market share argument that right. ends up being the issue, right? That's the danger. So, Rick, here. Ironically, does this mean, does this mean H, that, that Roku users will now be using more HBO Max? Is no, <laughs> after I, all this? <laughs> I, I honestly think For th the this Roku in channel. and of uh, but there's plenty of consumer. I mean, on the VMVPD side, there's plenty of other consumer choices, right? I, I, sure. I will just say, I will just say, if you have YouTube TV and you have not bought the new Chromecast, you're an idiot because yeah. the, the experience <laughs> of that. those two it's together is sick. I love you shouldn't it. have a Roku anyway. You're an idiot. So just go buy, go buy a Chromecast. On my Apple like, that's TV. My is it pitch. okay to use it on my Apple TV? It's fine, but it's just so much better on Chromecast. It's not even okay. close. Like it's just night and day. Okay, let's move it on. It just integrates very well into the the So for our Verizon FiOS listeners, in the OS. Um, you know, please push that out to your customers. Um, Chromecast. We've got two uh, two headlines. The first one, Hollywood Reporter. Oh, speaking Amazon. Of big speaking of big dominant companies, Amazon. Yes. 
The Hollywood yes. Porter says Amazon says there's over 175 million Prime members stream movies and shows in the last year. That's from earnings, yeah. Yeah. But but then we have sort of the comical um, second tweet on here, which is from Streamable, where there was the Comcast earnings call yesterday where they said Peacock now has 42 million signups, meaning people that have entered their email address on PeacockTV.com. Um, I'm going to just skip. While they don't share subscriber internal reports, last showed about one third of signups were active viewers. Um, and they actually did talk about the fact that essentially 14 million of those 42 had watched over the course of the last month watched at least once. And I think that's sort of the, the, the problem is all these new streaming services, they're just small. These are just tiny little services with very little usage. I mean, I know Walt, you turn on Peacock for, um, for, um, EPL. Uh, EPL. Now. I use Peacock more than any other streaming service at the moment. At the, mo- at the moment, I'm, I'm, at the moment, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm entering my last season of Downton Abbey, which by the way is phenomenal. I can't believe I didn't <laughs> watch it before. <laughs> You can laugh at me. It's fine. It's good, though. Jessica, Jessica doesn't like it more than you, really. No, we both watch like, it together. I just, I got so bored of it after the first few seasons. I loved the first few, and you I don't just appreciate got bored. the English. You don't, you know. And the I know you're a big, you're a big English yeah. person overall. Yeah. You soccer, I got it. What do they uh, call like lovely craft like, gin? Not a, a Francophile is is France. But but He's here's the crazy stat. But but I just want to talk about Peacock okay. for a second. The, the crazy thing about Peacock. They've got 14 million users that touch it once in a month. There's over 20 million people that get Peacock for free, and they're not. A lot of them are not using it. There's a f- totally free service where, just like Tubi and Pluto TV, that you don't have to pay anything, and they still only have 14 million people using Peacock. It's just sort of shocking that, like, free service. I mean, they were talking about the fact that they got to. I think they were talking about they had gotten to a billion hours of viewership in the first year. Just to put that in context, YouTube does a billion hours a day, probably more than it's people say it's actually getting closer to two billion dollars a, a day, two billion hours a day. So it's just like there is no usage of Peacock. And I think that's the the big problem so, that so no one's so talking enough about. Just no, no original content that, that's attracting people to the different. Actually, it's serendipity, meaning when you go on to when you go on to Netflix, you're going on because, you know, there'll always sort of be something new to watch tonight. Mm-hmm. When you're going to to Peacock, you're going on to watch EPL. You're going on to watch WrestleMania. You're not just tu- turning it on and surfing for something to watch. They don't have that sort of like they, they haven't built into the public's mind that there's enough stuff where they should be coming back to find something new every day. It's very much per- it's but like they don't have Disney. an expansive amount of content and a recommendation engine to go along with it, which yep. comes down to the advantage of Netflix scale. Like, last night I went in bedroom after the draft and I'm like, what are you watching Jesse? And she's, she's watching some, I don't know, like Russian or something show. And I'm like, you're watching another, um, foreign language show on Netflix because she was watching a Turkish one the other day. She's like, that's what Netflix is. It's, it's all, it's all um, shows from other countries. And it's like, okay, that's what it is to you. There's something for everyone kind of uh, on Netflix. serendipity. I just, I think there's that serendipity of finding something new every day. Yeah, Somebody she finds, wasn't looking for whatever she was watching. Just finding something. The other services, even Disney, I, you, I went on to watch WandaVision once a week. You know, I actually binged it towards the end, but most people went on once a week to watch WandaVision. And that's all they watched. 
And that's how they watch Disney Plus. And I think that's a lot of the services. And that's what they're all struggling with is they don't have sure, that Disney, habitual Disney, behavior. I, I agree with that 100%. But Disney's model, as I've talked about before in this bod- podcast, is is um, getting you to watch more of the library that exists there that's related to the new content that they're pushing out. Yeah, they, they have plenty of library. And I think about... Yep. Disney is just, they need just enough of a cadence of stuff yep. because of their brand and library. It's almost like, remember, but, no, but, like but for, Disney for understands that. Fees, Rich, remember well, right. for affiliate fees, it was like AMC needed to just have like five shows and that was enough for everyone to carry them. I feel like it's playing out that because Disney's Disney, they just need to have however many shows. Well, at five ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, by the way, the reality is that they don't have yes, to be great. that's a whole other thing. I don't think Winter Soldier, WandaVision was much better than Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier doesn't have to be great, but if it keeps you in the ecosystem of those worlds that they continue to develop. That And I don't know, what was the cost? Do they release the cost of Winter Soldier versus WandaVision? Like, yeah, that, that wasn't uh, cheap. They're expensive. Well, forget that theory that I just was trying to push. Expensive. <laughs> Not cheap. Okay, guys, you got to do okay. better than that. Then, I mean, especially that okay. last episode. Come on, Let, let's go. Let's get. Let's get some humor, Walt. We got Grinch. We have. You want to tee this, this up? This is Charles Ergen on his earning call, talking about gonna, T-Mobile. Should I play it? Yes, please. here we go. And and that's just not the T-Mobile that that, that I've seen before. And you know, it's it's they become the Grinch, right? So the you know the, the we've seen the story before, right? The Grinch went and stole everybody's. All the kids' toys, right? And they're stealing everybody's phone out of their hands. It doesn't work anymore. Um, and it was because the Grinch heart was too small. They had a tiny heart. And so the, un- <laughs> the, the uncarriers become the uncaring carrier. And, and that's a shame. Um, now, the positive is that the Grinch at the end decided to get the toys back, and his heart grew three times the size. <laughs> what, I mean, look, that's what amazing. Char- that's a, first of all, that's amazing. It's a beautiful performance by Charlie Oregon on his earnings call. And he's talking about a, a dispute that they're having with T-Mobile that we don't need to get into. But it was very it was very entertaining. I think at the end, Dish will be victorious in that, either through regulatory um, expression or not. They'll force T-Mobile to push it off. The bigger thing, though, on that call, though, Rich had a, uh, we talked about Dish last week on the run-up on the Amazon announcement. Again, another run-up on the earnings call as people got more meat on the bones of the Amazon relationship. Um, you know, the question, I think a lot of investors that weren't involved in Dish got wrong is they all assume that the bulls, the people that own the stock, were expecting Amazon to come in with a big check. And it's not about the big check. It's about the story. To, to of, underwrite the build out, to underwrite the build out. To build out and to was. go after or for Amazon to sell a consumer wireless service where you get a free wireless service with Amazon Prime. That's not the bull case. And th- I was not on the call. Unfortunately, I had something else to do. But Rich asked the question, Charlie, like 10 years from now, what's going to be bigger? Consumer wireless, meaning like them getting a share of it or some 5G application. And he clearly said it was the 5G application. And that is the story. Stack. Now, the problem is like you can't size what that looks like. It's one of these things where like, hey, the cloud is huge and it's growing. Like I can't tell you the 5G application that none of us know about that's going to exist in five years. but It's like a venture investment where you're like, this is going to be fucking huge. But with a guy that's actually fucking proven himself before that has a What do you think he's thinking about? When when he talks about those applications, what are you... I don't think he has a fucking fucking clue. I think that's basically what he said on the call too, right? Like he basically (laughs) has no idea. I mean, 
He basically said mobile's everything. I don't know. I'm not smart enough, but mobile's Dude, everything and we're going to play mobile. I've been searching for this kind of five, 10 year thing, like create this fictional 5G market that's X, Y, and Z, and then hockey stick it backwards. Like you can't do it and no one has done it. It's just kind of build it and they will come. And the reality is like, if it's if it works, if Amazon ends up being his biggest customer, then wireless, the wireless industry becomes what happened to landline telephone. It's just another application on a service that just doesn't have overall that much value because you've built- So it's a race to the bottom, right? It becomes a race to the bottom on price or margins. It's a huge if though, right? There's a lot, we're talking about a market that no one has sized realistically. Um, But yeah, if the dream truly happens, that's not good for traditional consumer wireless, which is a fucking 50% plus margin business on huge revenue. Like that is, there's a lot of margin for those operators to give up, um, you know, if if this thing kind of takes off. So we'll say. Let's uh, shift gears to, uh, why don't you read this, Brendan, the NHL? Sure. Sports Business Journal, always good for the sports tweets. Turner Sports picked up the remaining NHL media rights package as part of a deal worth up to $225 million per year. The agreement combined with ESPN's new deal pushes the league's rights fees all to an average of $625 million per year, um, which as we've discussed, is more than we thought it was going to wind up at. So kudos to the NHL for splitting up the rights and getting a good deal overall. But what's most interesting about this to me is is that, first of all, Turner took it. But more interesting than that is that they plan to put some of these rights on HBO Max. I'm really excited about having random NHL games on HBO max. That sounds awesome. Well, I think if you think NBC about owns assets, EPL rights and I have to fucking yeah. jump in, in between three different apps. So I mean, and, and NBC WWE deal. Right. Um, I, I think that as I, hear, we I agree with you, but still, you know, strong, but strong, passionate audience for the NHL. Not huge. local though. Local though is more powerful than national. I this was hockey, local. Hockey, hockey fans are ho- like our hockey fans. Hockey fans are probably not, you know, some are, but probably not your highbrow HBO viewer. And like we said with Peacock and WWE, bringing in those passionate niche niches add up. I just I to I, I let me support Rich on this one. I don't okay. I can't, I don't, I'm not a hockey fan. So please, of our listeners that are hockey fans, you know, reach you know out I, to us. But like how many hockey, Rangers fans yeah. watch a national game during a, during the course of a season before a non Ranger national game? Yeah. A non Ranger national game because in for football or for EPL, I'm not, I'm every not fucking sure. week, every week I will watch a non Eagle. When the Eagles play, I'll watch them. But when the Eagles aren't playing, I will watch it on football. I, football is different. I think the best uh, analogy football is totally is, different. Let me ask is, you a question is, in basketball. Is, do you what do you ever watch? And well, I guess in, even in basketball, I do watch non Sixers games. That's true. There's there's yeah. good matchups. And I, baseball, watch other, I watch other hockey games also. Right. So what about baseball? Does no chance yeah, anyone I, watches a national I, well, game? I do. <laughs> I, I do. And I'll tell you why. Right. Because I've been playing in 
no, I've been playing in this like fantasy keeper league for 15 years. And I'm always trying to like see what my players are doing. So I'll watch like the MLB network, you know, and, and get a flavor of what's going on. But I'm kind of a horse of a different color, I think. This explains the insomnia well, because baseball, it takes me about, you know, a half an inning. It doesn't explain it. It makes the insomnia that much more impressive that I still <laughs> watch that crap. And can still say, can we just go back to the Mets for one second here? Well, I, yeah. yeah. The fact that the Mets can, no, Rich, this is important. The fact that the Mets can't score for DeGrom, I think is okay. actually going to jack the ratings up. People are going to fucking watch every time DeGrom pitches to see, <laughs> can the Mets muster up a fucking okay. run? Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on that for one slide because we're going to come back to that in one second. But, uh, you know, I just think, Doing the NHL is also interesting because obviously if you're going to put NHL games, they're going to have to be ad, ad supported. You wouldn't do that ad free. You'd put the ads because it's obviously, uh, you know, yep. that's just, I assume that's what they're going to do. Of and course. so I think is the push into sports directly tied to what we have up on the screen, which is Alex Sherman, who said scoop earlier this week, Warner media plans to charge nine ninety nine per month for ad supported HBO max. The scoop we, we knew being, ad supported was coming for a long time. Ten we bucks. just didn't know the nine ninety nine. Uh, All we didn't ten, know was the nine ninety nine. Ten bucks and ads. It's a six dollar. It's a six dollar discount, which is consistent with the discount to Hulu. Ten bucks is a lot. Like Hulu's ARPU ad ARPU is what, Rich? It's like twelve dollars. Ten dollars. Okay, it is is ten bucks. But this isn't going to be that because none of the HBO programming is going to have ads. Right. So no keep what. that in mind. The the stuff that you probably care the most about on this service isn't going to have ads. So what what will have ads? HBO Max Originals. Okay. Which I can't name any, but you know there are some. No, there ads. was the one with the like flight attendant. What about movies? Yeah, that's right. That's will right. They drop. Will they put? Will they break up Wonder Woman and put it in the movies? Oh my goodness! I think, I like think on, maybe like, maybe like deep Turner? catalog movies. No. Maybe deep catalog. Oh I don't goodness. think new movies. <laughs> Oh my god! I'd say what Justice League could use some uh, some commercials. <laughs> it does feel it does it's feel so expensive, long. but Rich makes a good point that the key programming won't have commercials anyway. There could be uh, pre roll and shit like that. Uh, my my fear is I think Hulu gets watched less than it otherwise would because you have a whole bunch of people on the ad supported service, and ads make you make you watch less television, and so. Bottom line, I don't think it ma- it, I mean, like they get Hulu gets more out of their ad subs, right? Than their than their subscription subs, don't they? They do, but if you end up with less overall viewership and you're trying to win time spent, my guess is it's not a good long term decision. The flip side of this is someone comes in at ten dollars ad supported. There's not enough content that it's actually ad supported. They stay at ten, and you miss out on five dollars. Like with me with Peacock, when I started watching Downton or whatever else, I I upgraded because the ads were fucking driving me crazy. So there's also lost revenue <laughs> by, by even offering a lower tier, especially to your point. If the content you're going in for is not going to have ads anyway, I think if the content unless good enough, they think like Hulu, they could generate a higher ARPU on ads versus subscription one day. Yeah, true. And Netflix they did, has 70 million subscribers and having an ad free option is not they stopping got them. Zan- from don't they have Xander? And they increase price. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I think it's just a mistake is my gut. Uh, let's stick with, let's go back to the Mets because this is going to be relevant. Um, Brandon, why don't you read this? Cause this is, this could be big news. 
This is Sportico exclusive. The former owners of the New York Mets are exploring a sale of SNY, the team's regional sports network. Uh, this should come at no surprise that the Wilpons don't want to own SNY anymore, considering they don't own the team anymore. Um, but it, it brings up a couple of interesting things and a couple of interesting things vis-a-vis MSG, actually, because M- MSG Entertainment obviously just brought in MSG Network. And as part of that deal on the conference call, they were like, oh, you know, we could do both. We could do more M&A and also that this didn't preclude them from selling um, MSG. And it seems to me that a much tighter alignment among the New York RSNs would be beneficial in a lot of ways. One, a lot of market power. A lot of market power. Oof. Think about sports betting, and if the books, mm. right, only had one place to go to negotiate for that market, what, what, what? The they only do, way you could advertise could regionally. That's right. You look at MSG Network's portfolio, and if you ever want to, and we can debate the possibility of over the top, and it would definitely be less profitable, but. Like you have year-round sports there. MSG Networks right now is only winter sports plus like the Red Bulls, which no one gives a shit about. So putting baseball together, I think I think these assets, if they're not all together, should be in much tighter alignment. And let's let's see if this SNY for sale is a catalyst for that. I think there are investors in Yes Network. Um, also, who would probably like um, to put everything together? Um, I think it'd be brilliant, honestly. Like, I just think it's like one of those now, things. Here, like here's where, the, here's the like question. It, it's made okay. so much sense for if, so long. If, the the MS, only problem is if MSG Entertainment, right, who bought networks and that was like a very controversial deal, went and bought SNY, like, if you're an investor in MSGE, what do you think, Rich? Well, and, but but I want to just step back. The thing I keep thinking about is right now MSG is what eight or nine dollars per sub per month. Eight and a they half. Charge? Yeah. And SNY is like six. I don't five. know the exact. I have five and a half. I think is. So so here's the question: If you put them together, is that number so big and so outrageous? Can you actually get the same type of? Like, can you keep those numbers? Do you get more separate than you do if you put them together? I just wonder, like, how that works. I like, I don't know. And like, and yeah. then yes is also the wild card, right? Right. I mean, if you put them all together, dude, it's just the you're paying twenty three dollars for New York sports or twenty four dollars for New York sports. It's insane. It's just insane. There's not enough. There's like fractional there, viewership. But there, but there's also from an MSG Networks perspective, there's a huge unlock because they don't have any real, a little bit, but barely any, they have Fubo, VMVPD carriage. So is that a way- well, you got Fubo in somehow. For, so. them to, for them to back into VMVPD carriage. There's obviously a lot well, of the synergies. VM, the, I don't know. VMVPDs are doing- debate. Yeah. I don't have like a full opinion on it yet, but um, even if there's not m a these assets should be much, much, more tightly aligned if possible so i just remember, by the way do you remember that song um go new york go new york go yeah go new york by, of course jesse, of course produced by jesse Isler. so this book that i'm reading i didn't realize this but jesse Isler also produced uh on the good ship galleon 
that very famous song that was played at the big party back back in the day. It's the second okay, time I'm, I'm, you brought up Galleon today, actually. Okay. Really? Uh, yeah. AMC AMC Theaters. It's a good book. Um, the, the, it's yeah. a good book. AMC, AMC Theaters. Sorry, AMC Theaters this week um, is doing a um, at the market um, sale of shares, about forty three million shares or something. But forget that. In their filing, as part of the raising of capital, there's this quote which I'm going to read. We have this up on the screen. Um, in order, basically. Um, this requires that we achieve significant increases in attendance levels beginning in the third quarter of 2021 and ultimately reach 90% of pre-COVID attendance levels by the fourth quarter of 2021 and through the first quarter of 2022. Um, if um, And it basically says, if we're unable to achieve more normalized levels of attendance and operating as described above, we may be required to obtain additional liquidity. So basically, if they can't get to 90% of attendance by Q4 2021, they're going to go bankrupt or need more capital uh, uh... is their problem. Uh, and they've already said they're not going to raise, they're not going to sell more shares after this, what they're doing now. They're not going to raise and they pulled it off of their annual meeting. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm pretty skeptical that attendance is ever going back sustainably to 90% of pre-COVID levels, but they need it to happen within the next six months, which I think is pretty staggering. So we'll see. I'm curious. They report earnings next week. I can't I mean, wait we to are, hear them talk we about We are this. reopening, right? We are. And maybe there's a pop, an initial pop. People haven't maybe. been to the theater in a but yeah, that's uh, it's aggressive. Skating on thin ice. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see whether theater whether theaters are fully open and what that looks like, and just what people's comfort with being in theaters at that level, you know, packed body to body. We'll see. It's just going to be interesting to watch. I'll tell you one thing: they were packed pretty body to body last night for the NFL draft. That was outside, though. Yeah, Truth. everyone was tested and. You're talking about in the draft or, or fax outside cards. The draft? Yeah, outside, cards. like I think yeah, they outside. like the front people in the front had to have vax cards. I don't know about beyond. Everyone that. was tested. That was in the back with the with the with the athletes. Um, whatever in the front, I think people were either vax. I think or, vax card. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting though because you know July first, New York City, back to normal, be, which free should for be all. May first. Um, so people better get used to being <laughs> close together again. You want to read uh, Games Radar? Sure. Games Radar. Rumors suggest COD 2021 is already planning a recovery roadmap. Okay. So what's going on here is there, the 2021 title, I think, is called World War II Vanguard. There are are rumors out there that it's a complete fucking disaster to the point where there may not be a Call of Duty release in 2021. I have no idea whether that's the case or not. Um, it's interesting. That's unexpected? Because, yeah, it's unexpected. And it's interesting because I think last week uh, Activision came up and we said, well, you know, like, look, the Call of Duty franchise is humming along. Um, they have mobile humming and Warzone humming, and their the upfront um, sales have been amazing. And now it looks like they hit a creative speed bump. If there is a speed bump, we could say one thing: at least they have a situation where they have Warzone, right? And they have mobile, and they're really monetizing anyway. 
Um, and I think that for, you know, Modern Warfare to whatever it may be, there's probably other games, a bunch of content that they could put into those things and, and figure it out that way. But um, it would not be a good outcome. That's, you know, Hashtag even if it's like good. 15 million units in this year, you know, at $42 each, whatever margin, 30% more, it's not good. <laughs> Starlink, SpaceX. Yeah, this is a, just, just a quick update. Um, on Tuesday, the FCC officially approved this modification. What does this mean? This was like the battle that we've talked about um, between um, Elon Musk's Starlink project versus Amazon and Dish and, and MSD Capital and others. This is, this is a big win for them. Um, it means that they can launch these satellites at a lower elevation, and they're going to start doing that as early as next week. So that helps the performance of these satellites. There's still another hurdle that they need to achieve. There's another whole FCC process. So this thing's not completely dead, but the way I see this is like if the FCC is willing to say, hey, Elon, you can start firing up these satellites at this lower elevation think that they're going to do another process in a couple of months that's going to say, oh, by the way, those satellites that are low, you now can't use them the way you wanted to use them because we want to make this spectrum available for, you know, for DISH and someone else. Um, that seems unlikely, but not impossible. So that's so a pretty good win for for Elon after a win the prior week in getting a government funding for, um, you know, some moon project uh, with NASA. So. We've got a couple of fun tweets to end on, Walt. I want you to read this one because this is uh, your area of expertise. Is this expertise. a surprise tweet? No. Oh, Daniel Eck. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I love this. Um, Daniel Eck, who's the, as people know, the, um, the the top cheese at Spotify. As a kid growing up, I've cheered for Arsenal as long as I can remember. If KSE would like to sell Arsenal, that's cronky, um, I'd be happy to know, uh, happy to throw my hat in the ring. This was happening during this whole kind of back and forth from the Super League. Um, I think, by the way, subsequent to that, the they've said, no, we have no interest in selling. I think the Glazers sure. have, have talked about perhaps selling. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a, obviously a big movement <laughs> for the Arsenal fan base um, for the Cronkies to sell. Not only because they were willing to, to embrace the Super League, which is kind of anti-fan, because they haven't invested in the team. Um, and gotten the players that they need to to excel at the at the top of the Premier League, uh, which is it what it just seems wants. also interesting to see also the pushback against American owners or U.S. owners of these teams. And, and does that become does that gain traction? It has tons of traction um, in the U.K. now. Whether it's effective or not, like I don't know how that works in terms of how do you just force someone? You know, the fans can like yell and scream about the manager but to force someone to sell i think is hard and certainly as much as these people will um complain are they not going to like when they open things up are they not going to go to the matches of course they're going to go to the matches you know i mean in this country the fcc prevents foreigners from owning broadcast networks um you know so you've got some issues of foreign ownership that have played out it seems silly in 2021 that you know you you, well, you foreign ownership would also include Russian oligarchs and, and, and any number of money people. I don't think <laughs> money in the sport. I don't think you can specifically target. I mean, I guess you. Yeah, you that would. That I doubt wouldn't, that that's going to happen. That would not be a good outcome for team valuation. But maybe Crocky <laughs> should, in fact, invest in the team rather than not. So, Walt, you you you've been saying that Verizon should sell their media assets. It sounds like someone's finally listening to you. 
Um, I mean, this is a long time coming. This is literally in our previews. I cited the fact that, look, the C-band auction was, is more expensive than people thought. The last time they were that, um, Verizon was in a large auction. They sold Frontier for $15 billion and I think some tower assets. So there's pretty much nothing left to sell but this media asset. I'm sure they would hope it was going to be a lot bigger. Um, but look, it's not a shock that Verizon would punt this stuff. Hans is. But aren't is, they selling the Verizon of tomorrow? I mean, this was their shot. I mean, they were right. going to so turn what AOL Rich and Yahoo. Podcast listeners is back in 2018 when with now departed Marty Walden was leading up kind of the media strategy um, among a lot of other executives under Lowell McAdam. Um on this slide that we that we tweeted out that got a lot of traction, it, it said that that the goal of Verizon's media assets was to be create the Viacom of tomorrow. <laughs> Although I was thinking about this, Rich, um, Yahoo and AOL are definitely one of those kind of brands like GameStop or AMC, where maybe if they spun this oh out- Oh my God, could, it's so bad that it's good you could for have, You could have the oh, ultimate that's, meme that's where, where, hold we're on. Going with, that's where, where we're going with yeah, this? Yeah, Shamath that, is gonna spack- Oh my Lord. Shamath should spack Verizon's media's assets. It's Yahoo, it's the ultimate meme stock. Because that is the Viacom of tomorrow. Was Viacom not well, at some point roll, rolled and, up by this meme? thing or am i confusing that was discovered no 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 and i think the memers could also have their own oh soundtrack that would go along with it because we've got the perfect outro that would be the soundtrack to on the, the meme ship, run well, on the we do ships. so so every- i want to hear tequila in double time that should <laughs> no, be the, the outro the problem with playing <laughs> this is time, I- at, at 2x speed can uh, does spotify even allow that like for music or just podcasts you can play it at uh no, I, I think you can play music faster. I don't know. Like, I've never dan, tried. Dan, 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 dan. Okay, yeah, so here we go. Play this, and while you while you're playing it, can you see if you could play the music at two X? <laughs> God, I remember this every day. Every day, this is what we did. AOL dial. Wall Street bets would love an AOL. You've got mail. I, <laughs> no double time? Oh, God. Okay. It's not Have possible. Have a great weekend, everyone. That's episode 54. Thanks for listening. The good ship.